0: Um, but. the community thing though its I don't even know if it's necessarily people that share your, all of your values it's simply people that you can get along well a couple with, rules like right? don't hurt me don't yeah. take my
1: yeah. stuff don't, those for are instance
2: good rules. someone there, should write a book about that there's,
0: yeah. a, there's a value to just not being a dick
3: to your neighbors
1: yeah don't be an asshole is another way to help, say you well, all just
3: love cigars and get around and smoke right. cigars there's your shared Perfect. value well, I love subcultures. Yeah. I
2: love subcultures because you get people who have these weird interests that nobody else has, and they use the Internet to find people who have the same interest, and they get together and they hang out. and That's great. I love that. But then, but the problem
0: – the here's my yes but. Okay. I know this is the wrong – you're supposed to yes and, yes but I'm and. butting. Yeah. Uh, the problem with, with the Internet is that some many of these subcultures either grow or become further – this has been the problem that i think everyone wants to solve but they and related to the star wars thing is that eventually they just become a proxy battle for some for something else is what's happened is that these cultures there's always yeah. one nutcase who decides no we need to d- debate all this other stuff and right. whether it's intrinsic to the culture or not well let's
1: before we tear them down let's define i mean a subculture is is a passion for cigars mm-hmm. or the grateful dead or star wars or whatever or football or whatever it is And I I sort of love in the positive sense watching these subcultures get so passionately argumentative Mm. about things that nobody else cares about. Right. Um, But what you're saying is something different because it's sort of wokeism interfering with the sheer joy of hanging out at a show with all these people, you have nothing else in common with
0: except for the show, and
1: and that's why I think like you know the great uh, uh, melting pot or mixing bowl or whatever the metaphor is, of of a Grateful Dead show for me is like this is my opportunity to hang out with people that I don't get to meet in mm-hmm. my professional life or in my neighborhood, yeah, and I I love hanging out with um, normal people. I'm not normal, but they are and it's sort of that release for that but if politics infiltrates that it's going to screw everything up
0: and, yeah. it, and it has in in some some things i mean in in, in 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 i will say it's it's there's the woke left version of it and then there's the the there's the other side of it which is they you know where you're finding something and you're just angry at it and and there's not a lot of there's a there's a woke there's no right sp- too yeah. for sure there's no space for pot like People don't talk about things that they like instead, and it, which is I really, the point. Yeah, well, I like yeah. Kent's I mean.
3: perspective at the end of. I don't want to ruin the conversation before it comes out, but where he said he refuses uh, to tease reject. It. Tease, tease it. it. So tease he it. He refuses to. Rege- he rejects the idea that like he has. To, he wants to keep loving Star Wars. Yes, right. And I view that like I love. The Buffalo Bills because of the community it creates with my family, and yeah. when I go to a game up there, it's probably like a Grateful day. It's just blue collar people right. hanging out, drinking, just smashing and tables, to and football. everybody's friends, right? Yeah, yeah, and no one asks where you can't. You're just sharing comes you beers
1: are. and hot dogs. You're yeah. in the parking lot. It's awesome. And it's, just
0: just bring your zoo
1: bags. And I
3: get so mad when I'm told by my fellow conservatives I have to reject the NFL. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm no, not <laughs> I, ridiculous. I, I don't even love the NFL. I just like the community that yeah. I found yeah. with the Buffalo Bills. So. Well,
0: and I I hate the notion of of oh yeah you have to reject this thing because they did they they. Train transgressed here. It's like, no, I, I, I right, want to drink beer and
3: watch football. Uh, like,
2: that's perfectly good. The right
3: likes cancel culture, too. It's
0: yes, true. They do.
2: they do. If anybody wants more rum, please help yourself. I'm going to have one more. for everybody. The, um, well, some
1: funny. progressive, um, and I was complaining about cancel culture, and particularly in the context of Dr. Seuss, and some uh, progressive troll who was nameless um, said, you're just forgetting the fact that you guys on the religious right – um do orig- you're on the religious right, are you, Matt? <laughs> well, it's possible that Twitter doesn't have full knowledge of, of who I actually am, but yeah. like they, you you they, they 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 yeah. called it out when when the the religious right and not just Republicans, but like Tipper Gore and Al Gore yep. and all those guys were trying to ban um, Purple Rain, such a dangerous dangerous song.
0: <laughs> well, it is a very sexual song, um,
1: but yeah, like cancel culture is not a new thing, and I think I don't know if it started with the left, but. I might even go back to like the, the cultural revolution under Mao where they just wanted to erase history mm-hmm. uh, for very nefarious ends.
2: It is funny because like the history of cancel culture is largely driven by the right. It's been mm-hmm. the, the puritanical streak to try to censor people who are licentious or, you know, vulgar, things like that. I write about this in my new book. Uh-huh. What, <laughs> what's your new book called? <laughs> my new book is called Conform or Be Cast Out, The Literal Demonization of Nonconformists.
1: And when is it available?
2: It's available in November of this year. Thanks for asking, man. Excellent. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I talk a lot about, like, the satanic panic and, like, all the Tipper Gore stuff of trying to censor heavy metal lyrics and things mm-hmm. like that, and it's just – you know, it's weird that it comes from the right and now it's been turned around. It just goes to show you that, you know, these things always backfire. Yeah. You know, it I, can always be turned
0: against you. I have a question since you're writing a book on it. Uh, is, was it as effective back then? Because it seems like today no, is, is. I guess more, not. More it, wasn't,
2: potent. it wasn't as effective back then because people just kind of shrugged and were like, we're going to do it anyway. Right. So uh, well, an it's, ultra it's, thing or it's
1: weaponized by like Twitter mobs. Yeah. Which are very much orchestrated things. and Well, it spreads quick. And, you know, that, you know, back in the day it was it was harder to to demonize the other although they still did it but but it feels like it happens like overnight now like mm-hmm. 10 angry tweets and your career's over right and I, I wonder when we figure out that those twitter bots are not representative of humanity and we're like screw those guys
0: i think it's odd because i the thing is that too many too many of the people who eventually like, I think you had used to have to be able to like write an op-ed or something to create outrage. Like you yeah. had to do more effort. Well, whereas the,
2: the internet allows people to organize more easily, which is yeah. a double-edged sword, right? It can be great, it can be awful. Mm-hmm. So if you people are organizing for the wrong reasons, it's a bad thing. But what are you gonna do? That's true mm-hmm. with any technology.
3: Yeah, I can see the temptation that Brett Weinstein would have to want to. The temptation is real to want to control people. Like you, you hear about like it's like how can I prevent these. Crazies that would have never been let out of their basement without Twitter to yeah. suddenly they all find each other. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's I think, the temptation. To I think it's motivated
2: them. by an impulse to rescue civilization, which is right. fine. It's a good impulse to have, but I just think you know it, it's not going to work. Like you don't, people don't have enough knowledge. People don't have enough uh, you know impartiality to to do these things. But it's
1: its own form of censorship, like it is. like suggesting that only certain forms of, of the public square, for lack of a better way of saying it, only certain forms are acceptable. And usually it's like when the, the the smart guys, the panelists, control the mic mm-hmm. right. at the stage. And to me that's not the answer. Like I, I I think Matt you were saying earlier, we're in the middle of trying to figure out this new thing where everyone has a voice. Um, we'll figure it out. We always yeah. do. It's, I guess the it's gonna be fine. The hard question of it is what if
2: is there anything that's too <laughs> dangerous to be allowed? Is there anything that if it happens, it's going to be the end of everything. And so it's too dangerous to let it be allowed. And that seems to be the point that a lot of people on the left are making. is like with climate change or like with all these other things, nuclear weapons, you know, the the large Hadron Collider that we thought was going to create a black hole that would kill everybody. And it didn't. It didn't, of course, because it never does. <laughs> but, you know, is there anything that's too dangerous to be allowed?
1: You obviously haven't seen um, WandaVision. I haven't. Because no. it's, I mean, there are things that need to be stopped by the government. Yeah. Well, Wanda. In herself, yeah, Wanda. Yeah. Well, she yeah. has chaos I wonder, magic. I wonder that about
2: something. like uh, human cloning and things like that. Is that something that's just like too dangerous to allow? I don't really think that we should be since sens- you know centrally disallowing things on that uh-huh. nature, but I think it's a real question that we have to grapple think, with yeah. is is there something that's just too risky? Sorry. I think there's
3: things we should not do, but mm-hmm. I will go to my libertarian man- uh, mantra that it's not the government's role to always do the restraining. Yeah, I agree with restraining that. Restraining has to come from other forms of authority
0: people need to have their own have to have their own ethics and moral compass and if they lack it they're going to do what they want to do without something regardless of government government, right
3: something provides that moral compass whether it's your mom teaching you don't hurt people don't take their stuff something there's been some authority in your life that's helping restrain you this could be getting
0: royalties off the show or something so like
1: (laughs) but there's like um and and you you can get that from your faith but um you know pike would argue that these these rules that keep us from doing stupid and bad things are things that sort of emerge spontaneously as people sort of stumble through life. And Adam Ferguson called it the wisdom of crowds and and Hayek, you know, talked about spontaneous order. But I, I think that this is another thing that, that libertarians suck at is it's not we we've never ever believed do whatever you want. I don't give a damn about any mm-hmm. anybody or everything. Yeah. It's like we, we create as, as humans these institutions that say things like, drive on the right side of the road so you don't kill anybody. And that was not a law, that was just like people probably running into each other saying, hey, I guess we shouldn't do this anymore.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's the unspoken well, rules that we all abide by for practical reasons. Yeah. I,
1: I,
0: I think that, that there, is a, there is a cultural need for, there isn't, there isn't as much unifying culture because it's been fractured too much. And, and and i think that there's a need for institutions to provide some sort of compass and too many people have either given up on religion as that institution you see sort of your communal clubs like you know you used to have the rotary clubs and the El, you know El- like all those things which generally were just a place to get a cheap beer but still you know all those things are sort of fading away don't forget the hats yes the hats were awesome and but, <laughs> good. but they're they're kind of um there's nothing necessarily replacing it instead what's replacing it is this negative internet culture or concerts
1: that's what's going to replace it that's <laughs> well, why we need to legalize them yeah, again We should
0: have concerts again because they are a positive outlet I people think, are yeah, dying i think from. we
3: need a, pl- a plurality in society of these things that mm-hmm. we all associate with and it's a variety for every person but i feel like they're being replaced by just government just the yep. state or the political parties yeah all we have is you're on this team you're on that team and that's it
0: yep yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm thinking about diversity.
1: this, I'm, I'm thinking of like one of the very first things that, that Mike and I did together was we went and hung out with Greg Glassman, um, the now um, retired founder and CEO of, of CrossFit and, and Glassman introduced me to this Harvard Divinity School study um, called Why We Gather and mm-hmm. if anyone's listening, Google it, it's a really cool thing because it was a study in sort of uh, uh, subcultures that had emerged spontaneously in the internet age to replace all of the old institutions where we found meaning. Mm. And so so people just without anyone telling them, they went and found like a CrossFit and I, I consider the Grateful Dead community very much sort of in this in this realm. They found a community because they needed community. Mm-hmm. And they just went and created it. It because like Walter cronkite has gone and, and maybe your local church is gone and maybe uh trusting the president is gone, but um people are spontaneously solving these problems, and this study's quite old, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's much better examples today,
0: except when you're not allowed to hang out in person.
1: Back to my point. It makes it hard, yeah, yeah, yeah we're if we're if we continue to be dehumanized, and I was talking to uh we had Stephen Kent on the show today, and we'll run that sometime soon and and you referenced him. He wrote this this um beautiful but really disturbing essay about his daughter in the context of fear, and I think his daughter's probably seven or eight, something like that. And so in her world, being unallowed to hang out with your friends or go to school or or even leave your house sometimes for an entire year, it could totally mess you up for your life. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, think about how long a year is to like a three-year-old. Right. It's a third of the time you've ever been alive. That's, it doesn't seem like that much to us, but to a kid, (laughs) I remember trying to wait for Christmas as a kid. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's unbearable. And so having a whole year lost of your childhood, I think is just so unforgivable. I think it's awful. It It, it is.
3: Why, how do we justify that? It's such a narrow view of the human person. Like we're just going to shelter you in your house. Don't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. Give up a year of your life. You only have one life to live. And you're gonna die someday. So maximize <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. But for some reason we're like, this is the best way to maximize. I'm like, this looks like a horrible way to maximize. It seems like minimize Yeah.
0: I had so many concerts just like, ready to go this last year Me too. I <laughs> to I, think I lost away. a lot of money on concert yeah.
2: tickets that I didn't get refunded for. Yeah. It but it's it's a tyranny
1: on. of experts. Like, um, if you if you if you look at some of these surveys of epidemiologists and they're like, I'm never gonna shake someone's hand again. Apparently Fauci never would shake someone's hand. Because he's in this world where these bizarre viruses can can kill you at the drop of a hat, right. um, but that that has nothing to do with how the rest of society views this stuff. So it's a tyranny of experts, and they're like, "Well, if we're gonna totally eliminate this threat, and ignore these infinite number of other threats that involve living as a human, um, that's that's what the science tells us. Therefore, we do it." I'd like, Fauci is a is sort of a political hack, but he also represents this um, sort of freaked out epidemiologist view that everything's dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a what's a clinical term for like.
0: You're thinking about, like, the Monk TV show where right they're OCD. He's got to yeah. watch his Yeah, yeah. yeah. OCD, you know, open yeah. Open a new soap bar soap every time he washes his hands and right. all that stuff. Well, know? it's sort it's of crazy.
2: missing the entire point of why we shake hands in the first place. Right. Like, it's demonstrating vulnerability. Mm-hmm. All all greetings, pretty much, from the salute to everything else is like, look, I'm, I'm extending my hand to you because I don't have a sword in it. And you could kill me if you wanted to. But I'm showing you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to kill me to show you that I'm a friend and I'm not a threat to you. No shit, that's what a handshake you know? is. Yeah, that's totally what a handshake is. Yeah. You know, all the all greetings it's are like that. So much <laughs> it's Like it's like uh, the toasting thing. You know, when you clink glasses it's like to exchange a little bit of the liquid in your glasses to prove that neither of them are poisoned. Uh, it's all demonstrating uh, vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're not willing to demonstrate vulnerability to each other to show that you're friendly and you're not a threat, then you're you know it's just going to be hostility all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, it
3: kind of means like that's solving the knowledge problem. Mm-hmm. Poison weapons. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I mean with with The, the Salute addition... is the salute is lifting the visor on your helmet to show your eyes mm-hmm. to someone to say, Look, I'm a friend and so you could stab me through my eyes if you wanted to, but I'm a friend. It's okay. The addition of the mask though is now even removing the smile,
0: which is the yeah. weakest the, the I guess the lowest form of that. Yeah, yeah. Vulnerability. I didn't.
1: I didn't know that, but like, it's a, it's a form of accepting. He risk. He could be making all that up. We have no right? idea. Well, he probably is, but <laughs> let's let's <laughs> roll with the metaphor anyway. It's a it's a form of exec- accepting that life comes with risk, mm-hmm. and and I think about it from just a, a narrow business perspective. Some of the most interesting projects I've ever done were by taking a leap of faith. And partnering with somebody, and I didn't know if they were going to screw me over. I didn't know exactly if they were who they said they were. Um, But that those partnerships produce the coolest things in my professional career. They've also produced some some pretty horrific train wrecks. But if you don't take the risk, you don't ever achieve that that sort of meaning that that comes with life. So like you could hide in your room for the rest of your life, but I don't personally, I don't consider that living at all.
0: Well, the, the, that was one of those the things that he in that the book's a couple of years old now, but in that the Crawford book that I was talking about is that it's that these sort of the more that we become reliant on technology, the the more risk averse people become. Yeah, that that you're and 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 the and it's not even necessarily a a, a, a conscious decision either. You think of, he he likes he uses the cars as as a as an example because the dude's a gearhead, but you think about a luxury car basically is removing the more risks it can remove. So it beeps when someone's on, in your blind spot. It parallel parks for you. It backs out of a parking spot for you. It just it's just yeah. removing risk, but also removing your your brain. And
2: oh hey, we've been joined by Rourke the cat. Um, Welcome Rourke. From that's, from that's a big decisions. deal. Like
1: this is the ultimate sign of approval. There you go. That he he thinks this conversation's worth engaged in. Yeah. yeah. Or he's just looking for Can a place leave, to uh, take a nap. A rating on iTunes, they yeah. Work. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, buddy? Like and subscribe. Well, that, like there is there is something, and it it's a little bit luddite, and and I had Matt Crawford on my show, and and he worries about the the loss of purpose associated with over technology. I don't know over automation. Yes, um, and I, I totally get that, and I. I can't get myself around the city anymore because I always type it into maps and I just yep. follow the and robot. And forget
0: how you're going.
1: Um, but the the other thing that he talks about so much, and it, I, I think he's read Hayek, but he, he shows this cool picture of uh, some unregulated, unlighted intersection mm-hmm. in some, I forget, some city in Africa. And it looked like, to me, a, a place, um, a, an intersection in Mumbai mm-hmm. where it looks like everybody's gonna get killed Nobody, nobody gets hurt. Like there's people walking, there's people driving, there's elephants, there's, there's total chaos and it looks like everything's gonna smash together. It's a progressive scientist planner's nightmare and yet people have a way to, to work it all out and, and to me that's a beautiful metaphor for like um, this, this social media train wreck we have. Like yeah. we're, people are gonna figure it out and we're gonna s- establish tacit rules of conduct um, we're probably going to get rid of bots because, you know, the big problem with something like Twitter is um, the asshole that's calling you a fascist or a racist isn't a real person. It's not a real person, right? So who cares? Like, I think the paradox of
2: all of this is like squaring that point of view that Matt Crawford has with also a desire for progress and alleviation of poverty and making life better and easier for people, mm-hmm. like both of those things are true at the same time. And it's not an easy thing to understand Yeah, because you don't want to say, well, people have become too soft. So we need to make everything hard for people and then they'll starve I, to death. I, um, but you right. also don't want to say we shouldn't make anything I, I, too easy so that people become soft and awful. I, I, uh, the, I, I, the quote that I can't get out of my head that I keep thinking about this year is uh, I forget who said it, but I, it really resonates with me. It's, uh, bad times produce strong men, strong men produce good times, good times produce bad men, bad or weak men, weak men produce bad times. Right. And like, I think it's just the cycle that we're kind mm. of doomed to, to play out over and over again. It's like, we make things better and then everybody gets Cowardly and weak, and then they make things worse, and then we get really strong people who make things better again. Yeah. So I don't know. And, am, and
1: I, I'm afraid we're in the cowardly and yeah. weak yeah. part yeah. Yeah. of yeah. The yeah. society. So, there's
3: no question. Is there any society though that says like, oh, we're the strong man? <laughs> yeah. No.
0: No, no, much. because I think the, the the strong man doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't not doesn't. Uh, you know. Probably
3: too focus on the bad times. Like, yeah. figure
0: and, this out.
1: <laughs> and I've made this argument a thousand times, but like democratic socialists, like AOC are constantly talking about dignity and they think dignity comes from uh, guaranteed income and a guaranteed job and a minimum wage and 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 uh, cradle to grave kind of social safety net stuff. And I actually think that that would turn you into either a blob, mm-hmm. um, a depressed blob, or worse yet, sort of a resentful monster. Um, because the, the, the and this, this is where my Ayn Rand comes out, like the struggle Mm-hmm. the work the process of succeeding and failing and failing and succeeding that's where life gives gives us meaning and yes. I think I think part of the problem we have the reason we're weak and soft right now is that things are pretty damn good yeah <laughs> like we don't worry about where we're gonna get a meal
0: well and so so I wanted to defend the Crawford thing a little bit is is that or is and it's also spinning off of what you just said is that I think that you know, when you do something for yourself you it is way more um you get a lot more out of it, it rather than going off and paying someone else to do it or having mm-hmm. technology do it for you or whatever um you know i've been dealing with uh, things will go wrong you know with you've got an old house yeah i have an old house things go wrong in it constantly and it is very gratifying to be able to fix even a small thing yourself rather than having to call and pay someone to do it for you. And one of the nice things about the internet is that you have all the the knowledge to fix the problem is no longer locked. If you care to fix it yourself, you can go and figure out how to fix it sure. if you want to dedicate the time to doing so. Um, and that's way more gratifying than saying, oh, let me go pay someone to solve the problem. Which, which is, I think, the general pro- the issue of the, the democratic socialist is, well, if the problem is this person doesn't have money, well, why don't the government just give them the money? Which doesn't fix the problem of why the person doesn't have money. Right. Or doesn't have a job or whatever. It's There's something else that needs to get dealt with. And this is in the his, his book, is that it's always problems are now always defined as something that is outside of your actual ability to do anything about. There are some things that are, but generally speaking, if you can trace a root cause to something that you actually have a control over and that you can do something about, and too often these social safety nets say, oh no, it's not your fault you don't have this thing. It's, it's something else's fault. You don't have to change anything about you, and I think Ken, we were talking with Ken about this, you don't have to change anything about you here's here's a check just don't worry about it and that doesn't fix anything